All right, welcome back, everyone. We have a special Locked On crossover episode for you guys today. This is John Chick of Locked On Rangers, joined by Joe DiBiase of Locked On Sabres. Joe, how are we doing today? John, great. There's uh, about a, two feet of snow looking out my window right now. But other than that, uh, pre- pretty good. Well, that snow is rain over here. It is pouring right now, and I'm kind of hoping that it's not being picked up in the microphone. But if that's the case, I guess we'll just deal with it. I'm not hearing it. I would definitely take the snow over, uh, well, depending on how warm it is. Because to me, like, I- I'll take... You know, I might be crazy, but I'll take 20 degrees in snow over, uh, like, 35 and rainy. That's about the worst type of weather I think you can get. Yeah, I mean, there is something a little bit fun about the snow. The rain's just kind of a drag, but uh, yeah. I don't know. Dealing with two feet, I don't know about that either. So, I don't know. Yeah. I guess pick your poison, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So, uh, yeah, we can go ahead jump in here. Obviously, the Rangers play the Sabres tonight, 7 o'clock at the Garden. And uh, one thing I wanted to ask you about, Joe, with the Sabres was, I mean, it seemed like they got off to a really nice start this season. Seemed like maybe they had turned a corner and then it's all just kind of fallen apart. And, you know, I realize this is kind of a broad question, but I mean, what went wrong there? Because it looked like it was a team that was kind of starting to put it together early in the season. Well, I think what's funny is they did the same thing last year too, where they had that 10 game win streak last season. They ended up being in first place uh, about two months into the season this year, kind of the same thing, but it happened a little bit earlier on where they started really hot in October. They were getting a lot of good goaltending from Carter Hutton and Lena Solmark. They were getting a lot of goal scoring production from like two, three lines deep. And it kind of, to me, it was kind of easy to see the writing on the wall and a lot of fans here are upset now that like hey, the, the management team wasn't able to see the writing on the wall, which was that they had guys that were producing more than you could expect them to do over the course of an entire season. Marcus Johansson, who's like a 40 point player for his career was playing at like a point of game pace. Uh, Connor Sherry, who's like a 30 point guy who might get you 20 goals. If he's having a great season was like almost a goal a game. Like they, they had several guys that were doing that overperforming. Um, that kind of, I think, contributed to their hot start. What they are now and what they've been in the past few months, to me, is what this team really is. Um, when you look at how the team is constructed, you look at how the team is built, they have a ton of defensemen. They have too many defensemen where they have maybe nine, ten guys that you could seriously argue should be NHL defensemen. There's no need to really have ten NHL defensemen, right. especially when... They're so thin up front and especially down the middle. Past Jack Eichel, they just have no semblance of a scorer at center. Where They got to the point where they had to put Marcus Johansson, a guy who started his career at center way back when in Washington, but has played like seven years in a row as a winger. They had to put him down the middle just to have somebody competent that could kind of create their own play offensively. So to me, I'm looking at the team, and I think the, the biggest thing that went wrong was that they did not bring in a second line center and the Ryan O'Reilly trade, one of the worst trades in the NHL in the past couple of years. Since then, I think we've been waiting for the Sabres to kind of replace that second line center spot that they lost in Ryan O'Reilly. And they just haven't done, they haven't even, not only have they not done a good job at it, they really haven't even taken a lot of shots at that position. 
Right. And now, do you sense that there's any unrest among the fan base as well? Because I believe oh, the yeah. Sabres, if, if I'm not mm-hmm. mistaken, I, I think it's now eight straight seasons of missing the playoffs. And, you know, yep. it doesn't I mean, you never know what's going to happen this year. There's still a lot of games to be played, but they're on the outside looking in right now, obviously. And so, I mean, right. are fans starting to get frustrated with this? Do they feel like this team should be further along than what they are? This is about as frustrated as I think a fan base can be in the NHL or if it's, it's, it's right yeah. up there because I, I think Sabre fans get a lot of credit and rightfully so for how much they care. I think if you go around the league, tw- maybe, maybe the number is smaller than this, but it feels like 20 of the 31 fan bases with their team playing as bad as the Sabres have played in the last eight years. And you're right. It's eight years. This would be the ninth if they end up missing it. And they probably will. They're 11 points out of a playoff spot and they're not. Yeah playing any type of hockey that would inspire some sort of hope that they're going to make that up. Um, Fans care so much. And it's not just the on ice product. There's been a lot of frustration around the organization this year because it's their 50th anniversary season. And there's just been like, they've really dropped the ball even when it comes to off the ice stuff. Like the fact that they missed, they misspelled, the names of legendary players that they were bringing back in for alumni nights, like Dave Andrichuk, who's not even like, you know, it's, it's not even like he's some um, the former saber that you've never heard of before. Like he's the all time leader in the NHL and power play goals. Um, you spelled his name wrong on the back of the Jersey. They gave him, there's a couple of players that, yeah. did the same, yeah. same thing with, they were given the, the, the black and red jerseys when they had the 90s night here, um, which fans like myself who grew up with that being the color scheme here were looking forward to. They didn't have the real jerseys. They had knockoff jerseys, which is pretty embarrassing, um, I think, to do as an organization. So I would think all of that, coupled with the fact that the team is on an eight-year playoff drought, there haven't been a lot of moves really dedicated to making the team better. So it seems like they're almost asleep at the wheel. That's all led to the past week or two, which has been just Sabre fans like finally just throwing their hands up and being like, like enough is enough. Like Now we're at a point where jerseys are being thrown on the ice. There's talk of like a fan protest down at the arena tomorrow. I doubt that'll actually fruition into anything, um, but there's talk of it. And you've got you've got it. This is how bad it's gotten. I don't know, John, if you've ever seen this anywhere because I haven't. Not this past game, last game against Detroit. Or it might have happened last night, but I, I didn't watch the third period. But on Tuesday night against Colorado, they're down 6-1 to one heading into the third period. The building's half empty, which is pretty rare for a Buffalo crowd, even when they're bad. Yeah. They booed the team coming onto the ice for the third period. And I've seen plenty of times teams get booed off the ice at the end of periods. This team got booed coming onto the ice for the third period. And I think that moment is just representative of how mad the fans are right now i cannot recall ever seeing that and this is coming from a ranger fan who you know they had an eight-year playoff drought of their own back in i believe it started in the the late 90s and went into the early 2000s they finally got back to the playoffs in 2005 and they had you know this team of like kind of aging veterans they always went for a quick fix you know they never went into a rebuild like they're doing now which i I think is good that they're rebuilding but they would always just kind of you know go for you know kind of patchwork and they would get booed, absolutely. But anytime they came onto the ice, I don't recall them ever being booed like that. I mean, certainly at the end of periods, if they mm-hmm. didn't play well, and at the end of games, you know, they lose like five to one, and you know, two or three guys show up, and everybody else just kind of sleepwalks through the whole night. I have seen instances like that, but no, sure. I have never ever seen that uh, that I can recall yeah. anyway. And it's funny; it's one of those things like you think you've seen it all in hockey, and then you get something like that. Yeah, exactly. It was really strange to see that. 
If you've been a listener of this podcast, I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans. But you may not know that Locked On Rangers is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Ranger fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. Not just any podcast listener, a Locked On podcast listener. If your company wants to connect with Ranger fans and a predominantly male audience that is well-educated with disposable income, then let's put your company right here on this Locked On podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses. Text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcasts.com slash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve Locked On advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcasts.com slash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you. You mentioned that the Rangers are going through a rebuild. Are they really going through like a... It, maybe it's a rebuild, but it, it from the outside, it doesn't look like it's a complete teardown at the very least. I think you could say that just because they brought in Artemi Panarin um, in the offseason. Are they actually going all the way through with this rebuild? Because a lot of times I think about the Rangers and I think, all right, they might half-assed it because, yes, they probably should start to break things down a little bit and go with a little bit of a younger core. But at the same time, I also understand the factor that it's New York, it's Madison Square Garden, and to me, I would think that there's more pressure on a team like that to stay competitive rather than go to the bottom of the league and try to start like you know stockpiling draft picks and such. There is, but I think that I would actually call this a teardown rebuild. If you look at this team, if you look at this roster from, say, as recently as three years ago, it is so drastically different, and there could be more guys on their way out the door. Obviously, Chris Kreider, uh, big mm-hmm. time trade target for a lot of teams in the NHL right now very good chance that he could be on the move but as far as like the team that went to the Stanley Cup I mean that was only I guess that was five or six years ago but there's only four players left from that run and you know you've said goodbye to guys in trades like JT Miller uh, Kevin Hayes Matt Zuccarello Ryan McDonough and as far as Panarin goes yeah I mean that does kind of make it look like well are they really rebuilding but I think with Panarin they kind of look at him as kind of the centerpiece of this rebuild. Like, okay, Mm -hmm. we need to get like a superstar player in here. And the thing that's so great about Panarin, I mean, aside from, you know, the stats and just watching him do what he does on the ice. And I've mentioned this to some of the other locked on hosts when we've done these crossover episodes Mm -hmm. is, is that it has been so long since the Rangers have had that one guy that kind of just carry a team offensively. I I mean, I would say Yaramir Yager was probably the last one because even when the, even when the Rangers were making those deep playoff runs and going to the Stanley cup finals, they kind of lacked, I mean, it was supposed to be Nash, but he really never, I, I didn't really think he was ever really uh, an elite, elite player for the Rangers. And so it's been so long since they've had that one guy that could kind of really carry the team, and Panarin is that guy, and it, it's been just a joy to watch this season. Right. Let, let me uh, let me ask you actually about two other guys then, because I've been, sure. th- I think we're getting into a mode now where we're starting to think more and more about the trade deadline. I think we're 17 days away now, the 24th. And I think the Sabres and Rangers both probably are sellers. The Sabres have a lot of rentals that they can give away that are going to be UFAs, but none of them are really that high caliber players. Like we're talking like Connor Sherry, Jimmy VC, who we saw in the offseason, only fetched a third round pick. So at best, you're probably getting a fourth. I don't think you're getting even the same value that you did in the summer. Right. Um, like those are their their top marquee guys that they could be floating out there. The Rangers, not only you mentioned Kreider there, who might be the biggest name that gets moved on deadline day. Um, their goaltending situation is very interesting to me, not just, by the way, because I drafted Henrik Lundqvist in fantasy hockey, and that has not <laughs> gone particularly well. Yeah. Um, 
But Alex Georgiev kind of showing up this year and him kind of coming onto the scene as a good young goaltender. I know there were rumors about him going to Toronto, but now Toronto acquired Jack Campbell. Um, Lundqvist, his future, I know he's got two years left. Georgiev, like what are they doing in net? So right now, I mean, there's obviously, you know, kind of the, the three-headed monster there. You've got Lundqvist, you've got Georgiev, and you've got Shesterkin. I think the Rangers definitely see Shesterkin as the goalie of the future. Now, he's only played five games this season, but he's played very well in all of them. And he's been great. Um, as far as Lundqvist and Georgiev, it would seem that you probably have to trade one of these guys. Because what you're seeing right now is kind of a case study as to why teams don't do this. Why teams don't have three goalies on their NHL roster because it's just not practical and there's no way to get guys enough playing time to keep everybody sharp. The tricky thing here is that Lundqvist has a full no, no move clause. And mm -hmm. in the, in the past, he's given every indication that he wants to finish his career as a Ranger. And of course he's under contract for this year and next year. Is it possible that they talk him into waiving their no, his no move clause? Yeah, I think it's possible. And you know, maybe he goes to like a Western conference team. And I mean, as a Ranger fan, I would love to see him get a Stanley cup. But, you know, I think the more realistic option here is that Georgiev gets traded. And like you, I, I had heard that, you know, Toronto could be an option. But, of course, they just picked up Jack Campbell. So I think that's uh, that kind of cancels out that possibility. But it's very fluid right now as far as who plays a net every night. And it, it's a little bit of a mess. I think the Rangers are handling it about as well as possible. But everything's on the table. And, again, as a Ranger fan, if Henrik Lundqvist was willing to waive that no-move clause and go to a Western Conference and perhaps get himself a Stanley Cup, because by the time the Rangers finish this rebuild and they're ready to compete mm -hmm. for a cup again, it's going to be too late for him. So, right. Yeah. I, I, that kind of makes sense in terms of like what they're doing. It seems then organizationally, I, I like, I like when teams figure out sooner rather than later that the core that they have in place is not capable of winning a Stanley cup. And the Rangers, I think got there maybe this past year or the year before, like they've gotten there, I think, um, the, the the two teams that I continue have looked have continued to look at for the past couple of years that still amazes me have not just like torn it down and rebuilt is L.A. and Chicago because yeah. both teams are like their stars are aged they're getting older like I think of the two teams like Kopitar is still great Patrick Kane is still great but the rest of those cores is at a point where you can't really continue to compete for Stanley Cups so it's like how long are you going to continue to go along here trying to even not just win a cup but try to make the playoffs which neither team has done um with the guys that once won you stanley cups at some point i think you have to move on and the sabers are not in that spot at all of course because they didn't have they haven't had long-term success in over 10 years um because that's they're they're almost in no man's land right now like they're the pressure is on the sabers to win now because fans are so their, the, their patience has worn so thin. The GM yeah. is now going is in his third year, and you, I can't imagine he would think he has enough rope um, in in terms of job security to go into another rebuild himself. So I feel like they're going to try to win right away as quickly as possible. But at the same time, um, I like the way the Rangers are doing it because I don't think they're that close to like Stanley Cup contention. They're working their way towards that. Sabres aren't close either, but I feel like they're going to almost have to try uh, the best that they can. Hey, yeah, and with the Rangers, you know, I, I do give them credit for doing this because it would have been easy to just kind of keep that core intact. You know, that team had made a lot of deep playoff runs. They went to the Eastern Conference Finals or deeper. I believe it was three times in four years. And of course, they went to the Stanley Cup Finals the one season. So it would have been it would have been the safe thing mm -hmm. to do to just kind of hang on to everybody and just be a playoff team. And like, yeah, we're in the playoffs. But I, I think the Rangers looked at it and they said, you know what? 
this isn't going to happen. This championship window is basically closed and it's time to just kind of tear things down and rebuild the whole thing because you don't want to get caught in no man's land where you're kind of just a fringe playoff team every season, but that you're also not a threat to really contend for a championship. And the other day I had Nolan Bianchi on here you know, from Locked On Red Wings. We, we talked a little bit about their situation. Obviously, it's a mess in Detroit right now. It's just a complete mess. Yeah, yeah. But but he made the point, and you know, I, I asked him about this. Like, did the Red Wings cling a little too tightly to that 25-year streak of making the playoffs? Like, was this just a team that wanted to get into the playoffs every season? And he seemed to think that that is what the deal was and that, you know, they never traded any of their veterans, and now you've got this team that's a mix of, like, aging veterans and underperforming players and bad contracts and prospects who aren't there yet, and the whole thing's just a disaster. And so I'm glad the Rangers didn't end up like that, and at least, you know, there's a plan in place to get this team into a contender again. The, and the Red Wings are absolutely paying for it. That Them winning last night in Buffalo, like, it, it seems like it can't it keep can't keep going lower for the team, whereas, like, last week there was this call at WGR Sports Radio in Buffalo that kind of went viral, where, like, this fan was just, like, he hit, finally just exploded um, as a call-in, <laughs> like, listener, and, like, he, he just couldn't take it anymore, and he just kind of ranted on the Sabres. Um, so that was kind of a low point last week. Then on Tuesday, they are down 6-1 to to Colorado halfway through the game, and the building going into the third period is more than half empty. It's like, okay, can't go lower than that. And then you've got last night, just like to to put the bow on on the week, they lose to the Red Wings at home, who were on a nine game losing streak, and yeah. like just digging into how bad a season Detroit has and how bad a loss that is, like the Red Wings are going to have the worst NHL season since the expansion Atlanta Thrashers twenty years ago. Like they're on pace for forty now. They were on pace for forty three points. I would assume that's probably forty four or forty five now. To lose to that team just like last night, that was completely embarrassing about the Sabres. That's funny. You know, the Rangers actually, they had a back-to-back against the Red Wings, uh, you know, coming out of the All-Star break. And I basically said, like, they got to win both of these games. Like, three points out of four points is not good enough here. Like, you Mm -hmm. have to win both. And and fortunately, they did. Um, But, yeah, I mean, watching them, it's crazy. Like, they pretty much are dead last in every relevant stat. I mean, you've never seen anything like it. It's crazy. One guy I want to ask you about on the Sabres is uh, Sam Reinhardt, because I'm looking, you know, at the contract situation. And, you know, obviously the Sabres have a lot of impending free agents. Now, Reinhardt is a restricted free agent. So obviously the Sabres will have the chance to match any offer that he gets. But I mean, what's the deal there? Because he's obviously a very, very good player mm-hmm. for you guys. Um, would they just let him play out his contract this season and then look to get something done in the offseason? Or how, how do you think they'll take it with Sam Reinhardt? I think that's still the most likely scenario that he they end up getting something done in the off season, but it's be, it's starting. I would have said at the beginning of the year, it was like okay, no brainer, they're going to sign him. Like there was almost no controversy about it, no discussion about it, and because the team has done so poorly the last couple of months, what people want to see change and. Most of the time, I'm not advocating this. I think change for the sake of change a lot of times is a terrible idea. Sabres basically did that with Ryan O'Reilly, and it's blown up in their face. Um, So to do that again with Reinhardt, to me, would be crazy, especially when this team's biggest problem right now is goal scoring. And Jack Eichel is playing at a top five level in the NHL, and they don't really have a lot of other options. And Reinhardt's one of those other options uh, in terms of a consistent score. So my guess would still be that it's it's most likely that they're going to sign him now they're going to pay for it because two years ago 
they sign him to a bridge contract. And that's almost a little bit risky in itself. Like, okay, we get him at a $3.65 million cap hit for the next two years. So it's going to help our salary cap in the short term. But if you had signed him two years ago to the long-term extension, instead of the bridge contract, you're probably getting him somewhere between five and 6 million bucks, which is not all that cheap, but that's pretty fair value for a 60, 65 point player that plays on your top line. It's 24 years old. Whereas now end of the year, He's had another really good season individually, offensively, uh, playing alongside Jack Eichel. And to me, if I'm him, I'm going to say, well, I just saw Jeff Skinner, who just got here, by the way. Uh, he had one great season for you, and you gave him $9 bucks a year. So I've yeah. done this for you for four or five years. I'm also five years younger, or uh, not five years, but three years younger than Jeff Skinner. I want that $9 million cap hit as well. So... Maybe he doesn't quite get the nine, but I think he's going to get $8 million plus. Um, so I do believe that the Sabres will end up signing him and it will be a long-term extension. But you never know. Like If, if, if ownership gets frustrated enough, unhappy enough, and they feel like something's got to change, um, I wouldn't completely rule out Reinhardt as being a guy that they would move. Yeah, and you know, in the NHL, I think a lot of times the wise play is to extend these guys at least a year or two before they get to free agency because yep. – if you don't, you're going to be in a situation like you are right now with Reinhardt. And a lot of times, you know, obviously when they first come into the league, they're not making that much money, these players. So I think a lot of times, you know, if they're young and you offer them an extension, mm-hmm. a lot of times they're going to take it because, you know, if you get a, a contract that, say, is worth a total value of, say, like $25 million, then maybe like, I'm just throwing out random numbers here, but like mm-hmm. five years, $5 million a year, who's going to say no to that when you're only making six figures? So I, I think a lot of times that's the smart play. And if you wait, then yes, you're in kind of a situation like like the the Sabers are going to be with Reinhardt here. Com- completely agree. I, and we're seeing teams around the league like when they get their stars, they're locking them up right away. And yeah. sometimes it doesn't work out, but a lot of times it is. I think the best contract in hockey right now is an example of that. The Colorado Avalanche have Nathan McKinnon on a long term deal. He's got four years left. It's six point three million dollars. Nathan McKinnon's yeah. a top five player in the league right now to me, and they're paying him like a like a really good second line center. Like th- that's that's how they're paying him really. Maybe a little yeah. bit higher than that. Six point three is not nothing, but I mean that's a guy that should be making I think at least ten million bucks. Um, Nikita Kucherov, same thing in Tampa Bay. I mean up until last year when he signed his extension, he was making four million bucks a year, and now of course that's higher because he uh, got the big extension. Um, but I think that's even more evidence that. I think when you get stars, young stars that come up, they produce early on in their career with the league turning into a young man's sport where players now are hitting like the prime of a player's career to me is no longer, you know, 26 to 29. I think really it's more 22 to 25, 26. Now Um, it's gotten a little bit younger. So if I'm a team that has a good player like that and Reinhardt's obviously past this point, but uh, I would be looking to lock them up right away instead of going down the route of these bridge contracts. I, the Rangers, by the way, I, they don't have like a a player maybe quite to the level of Reinhardt like this in the offseason. Although maybe, I don't, I, it depends on what you think of, of Tony D'Angelo, who I watched, by the way, a lot coming up in, in juniors. I used to, so being in Buffalo, um, Connor McDavid used to play in Erie, Pennsylvania, which is you know, about an hour and a half drive. It's not that far. And me and a couple, a, bu- a bunch of buddies would, go down to Erie to see this kid play. Cause like, Oh, this is the next Wayne Gretzky. Like this is the next generational talent. Let's just let's hop down the top down the throughway. Let's go watch him play some junior hockey. And yeah. we got to see Anth- this Anthony D'Angelo. I remember 
at least three or four times. And I remember coming away incredibly impressed every single year. And I wanted the Sabres to end up getting him at some point um, before he really got going in the NHL. And really, I think he's an interesting case of what they do with contract wise, because at least offensively, this is really the first year that he has kind of, you know, stepped it up a notch where he's at 40 points in 51 games. Well, that's just it. And, you know, that's the, the thing that makes this so tricky with D'Angelo is because they had a little bit of a contentious uh, contract negotiating session this offseason. He ends up coming back, you know, one year, 925K. But the issue here is, do the Rangers truly believe that this is who D'Angelo is going to be going for? Because to your point, mm-hmm. this is by far the best season of Tony D'Angelo's NHL career. It's, it's not even close and heck of a year to do it because, you know, he's going to be a restricted free agent in the offseason. But if you're the Rangers... Do you bank on this kind of production going forward? And do you bank on the fact that he can be better defensively? I mean, he's okay as a defensive defenseman, but the thing mm-hmm. that he's really bringing to the table this season is the offense and the assists and his work on the power play. So it's tricky, man. You know, it, it really could go either way. I could see them trading him at the deadline. It's certainly possible. I could see them hanging on to him through the season and trying to get a long-term deal uh, kind of hammered out in the offseason. And the other thing that makes it tricky is, how much are other teams going to value him? I mean, is somebody going to break the bank mm-hmm. for Tony D'Angelo? Now, there are 30 other NHL teams, so I would imagine somebody's going to take the risk and look to pay him a lot of money next offseason. It's it's a really, really tricky situation with D'Angelo. I would hope that they can get something done, but it's possible they could move on because they do have some exciting young defensemen already on the, uh, already on the Rangers right now and also some other guys, you know, that could be coming down the pipe as far as, you know, guys coming up from the AHL and whatnot. So it's, yeah, it could really go either way. And I, I think of all the things, the Rangers the Rangers front office have a lot of tough decisions to make. This might be the toughest with Tony D'Angelo. Mm. I know Adam Fox is a player. I saw a lot in college that uh, has been in the mix in their uh, blue line this year too. Um, one, of the, one player I think Sabre fans would want me to ask you about because the – what's being sold by the Sabres right now, I think, and like why there's been a lack of moves, for instance, is one, they're right up against the cap. They're actually one of three teams, I think, that that are up to the salary caps. It's hard for them to make moves right now. But as we've mentioned a couple times, they have a lot of contracts coming off the books at the end of the year, and they're going to have, I think it's, I just had the number here. Let me get it exactly real quick. They have $34 million in cap space this coming off season. Well, they don't, Obviously, they don't. You're not going to fill, you know, half your forward group with guys from your AHL team and prospects. You might fill two or three of those spots with guys like that. But they're set up to a point where they're likely going to need to either via resigning one or two of those guys that are coming free agents. But that seems unlikely to me. Otherwise, you're filling those spots via the trade market or you're filling them via free agency. And when you look at the free agent classes, a lot of times you look at guys that don't end up making it there when you look a year in advance. Right now, I think we're at a point where we can start to evaluate what the free agent class is going to look like. And Kreider, who we mentioned earlier in terms of his trade value, is one of the top free agents coming up in the offseason. So my question to you would be, because the Sabres have been burned their last two times, they've really chased big free agents, and it's been for the same reason. They signed Matt Molson to a big contract about five or six years ago. Then they signed Kyle Caposo to a big contract about three years ago. And the one thing those two guys had in common to me and why those contracts didn't go well is because they were entering their 30s and they were not good skaters. So once their skating de- depleted and once it deteriorated, they no longer could really keep up with the speed of the game. And I don't watch Kreider every night. I don't. I know a- enough about his game, I think, to evaluate – in, 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 in 
basics, basically what kind of free agent he would be. But I'm wondering what you think in terms of his longevity and whether giving a guy like that a six, seven year contract would be a good idea. Well, I mean, it's one of those things where if you give him a six, seven year contract, as so often is the case, whenever you see these really long contracts, maybe in the last year or two, it wouldn't be the best contract ever. But I think for about the first two thirds of that contract, whether that's like four or five years, Mm -hmm. I think it would be a, a very good signing because the thing that Chris Kreider brings to the table, I mean, he brings a lot to the table, but the thing that I love about him is he has such a mix of toughness and speed. It's kind of a unique blend that you don't really see among a lot of players. Even the best players in the NHL don't always have both. You know, he'll go to the net and he'll position himself in front of the net and he'll take a beating from the defenseman to just kind of hold his position and look for those tipping goals. I believe I saw a stat where he leads the NHL since 2015, 2016 with the most uh, deflection goals. So he goes to the net a lot, but then he can also, I mean, there was a goal the other night where he can just explode yes. up the ice. I mean, he, he is so fast. And that was the know, one that came six seconds after another goal, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. That was he, a great goal. Yeah. He assisted. He won a face off to Mika Zibanejad in the offensive zone and Zibanejad scored off the face off. And then uh Buchnevich, I believe it was sent kind of a lead pass to Kreider and he just zipped up the ice and, and, you know, just, just pretty much went in there alone. So I think, uh, I mean, Kreider's 28, you know, I'm sure he's, as far as speed goes, I, I'd say he has elite level speed in the NHL. Maybe that starts to go a little bit as he gets a little bit older. But yeah, man, I, I think Chris Kreider, you know, he's just a versatile enough player that he'll find a way to continue being a good player. And I don't think anybody who signs him is going to regret it, you know, two years into the contract or anything like that. I, I think it'll work out pretty nicely. And the thing that Kreider has going in his advantage is it's a little bit of uh like as far as the trade deadline goes, it's a little bit of a seller's market. And then in the offseason as well, I don't think there are any like huge free agents this offseason. I, mean, I could be wrong. I could be forgetting somebody. But I think, you know, given the relative lack of options, Kreider's going to get a, himself a pretty nice payday in the offseason, no matter where he goes. I think if he's not, he's definitely one of the top guys. I had the list in front of me. Let me pull it back up real quick. Yeah. The top free agents going into this upcoming season. Uh, I mean, on the blue line and then in net, you have a couple of big guys and Alex Petrangelo uh, from St. Louis, who probably re-signed to St. Louis from what I've read and Braden Holpe in Washington, who probably yeah. hit the market. Um, you've got Taylor Hall, uh, who has yet to sign a contract extension with Arizona. Maybe that doesn't happen. I think if Hall hits the market, he would, of course, be the number one guy. Definitely. Um, but after that, like I think you could make an argument that Kreider is the second best free agent that's going to hit the UFA market. Mikel Granlund in Nashville, like he's had a bunch of good seasons in Minnesota, but he's having a really down year uh, with the Predators. Um, I got Ryan Nugent Hopkins here listed, although I'm not sure that that's right. I thought he had another year on his contract. But even if Nugent Hopkins makes it to free agency, I think he's about on par um, with Kreider. So, yeah, I, I would I would rank Kreider near the top of the list in terms of free agents. Absolutely. And, you know, I haven't completely given up on the Rangers potentially re-signing him before the deadline, giving him like a contract extension. But mm-hmm. I just don't see it. I mean, the way they've done business the last couple of seasons, they've kind of had these deadline fire sales. And if you're Chris Kreider, wouldn't you want to become a free agent because that way you can negotiate with 31 teams instead of just one team? I mean, wouldn't that just be the play if you're Chris Kreider? Right. That, that's, yeah. that's, that's to me what I would do. It, it, you want to max out. The, the one thing about free agency is teams can get stupid because they have all this money and they, they think that they have a hole. And like the Sabres, for instance, the Sabres are going to feel a lot of pressure, I think, to improve the team on the short term for next season. Free agency is going to be an avenue that you can look at and think, okay, well, at least on the short term, that's going to work for that. And if you get several teams like that that are suddenly bidding 
for a, a guy like Kreider, who's a very good player, but he's not necessarily an elite player. He might right. get elite money. He might get $7 million a year because teams are just outbidding each other. And like you said, and like we kind of mentioned here, like the, the free agent class isn't all that deep. Um, if Hall makes it, that'll help it. I, Mike Hoffman is a free agent too. I should probably should have mentioned him because he's a pretty good goal scorer as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the other thing Kreider is, Kreider is still in his 20s. And a lot of times guys that hit the UFA market are um, in their early 30s, mid 30s. So you have the age thing, I think, going for you a little bit too, if you're Kreider. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, I figured we could wrap up here. Do you have like a prediction for tonight? Do you have like a final score or anything that you think is going to happen in this game? Anything you want to toss out there? I really think the way the Sabres have played as of late, not just skating-wise, like their, their goaltending group. I think the only thing that was keeping them above water the only thing that was holding them in things the past couple of months was Linus Allmark and net and Allmark is not some you know I don't think he's a franchise goalie or anything but when Carter Hutton who here's here's the stat on Carter Hutton he won his first six games of the season all in October so between the start of the season and October 22nd he was six and oh and that really attributed to the Sabres having such a hot start he lost his next 11 games so between October 22nd and I think it was last week, Thursday, when he beat the Blue Jackets, he had lost 11 games in a row. He had gone like five months, four months, whatever it was, without a win. And Allmark stepping into the net, stepping in as a starting goalie, playing pretty well, I think was the only thing keeping them above water. With him injured and Hutton kind of re-entering as the team's current number one goalie and the team playing as poorly as they have, like last night, I mean, like it wasn't just they lost Detroit. Like they didn't even look like the best team on the ice. That With that yeah. being the case, how they looked last night, it being a back-to-back going on the road, I'm not going to, I'm not kidding. I think the Rangers could really blow them out in this game. Like I think they'll win by multiple goals. Yeah, I had Rangers winning five to two. And part of that is the Rangers have played very well coming out of the all-star break. They are three and one. Now two of those wins are against Detroit. I do have to toss that out there. But the point that I made, you know, coming out of the all-star break was I looked ahead at the Rangers schedule and I realized seven of their next eight games were going to come against teams that were outside of the playoff picture looking in. So I I thought right then and there, like, man, if this is going to happen, if the Rangers are going to entertain any hopes of getting back into this playoff chase, and that's a big if, but if that's going to happen, they got to, they got to just go on a rampage here through these eight games. And so, and so I think the Rangers will win tonight. I've got them winning five to two. I like the way they played recently. And, uh, I will also say Capo Caco has been really close for the Rangers. He's kind of been kept off the mm-hmm. score sheet despite playing better. So I'm going to say he, Capo Caco has a two-point night for the Rangers here tonight. All right. Yeah, the Rangers, I think, are more squarely in the mix, of course, than the Sabres because they have those two games in hand on the two teams that are in the playoffs. So if they were to win those two games in hand, you're talking about a five-point gap out of the playoffs. Like, that's not that's not all that easy, but it's definitely, uh, it's definitely reasonable to think that that could happen, whereas the Sabres sitting at 11 points, same amount of games played. Yeah, the teams might look close in the standings, but given how they're playing and given that the Rangers have those two extra games, um, to me, I would still consider the Rangers being an outside uh, looker in the playoff race where I don't think the Sabres are really in it anymore. Yeah, and kind of just the trajectory of both teams. You know, we've talked about how the Sabres started hot and they've just faded. But uh, all right, well, I mean, I guess that'll wrap things up for today. But uh, Rangers fans, Sabres fans, thanks for joining in. And uh, Joe, thanks for joining us today. And uh, we'll have to do this again sometime later this season. Yeah, definitely. John, thanks. All right, you got it, man.